This podcast is supported by Starglow Media's Mysteries About True Histories. From the creators of the hit top-ranking kids educational podcast in the world, Who Smarted, the Emmy-nominated Nat Geo Disney Plus's Brain Games and Netflix's Brainchild, comes Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, or math, in which kids ages six and up can hear humorous and educational stories that follow two best friends, Max and Molly, while they go on adventures through time, solving puzzles, hidden equations, talking about history, and making learning cool. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras's ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. When I drive my son to school in the morning, we listen to these episodes that fit perfectly in our commute, with the episodes being about 15 minutes long. And this podcast is right up my son's alley because he loves to solve problems and happens to love math and the types of punny jokes that Max likes to tell. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Welcome to Mom and Mind, a podcast about maternal mental health discussing conception, pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. Real stories from moms and family members who have made it from struggling to wellness and interviews with experts and advocates who work for moms and families to get the help they need. This podcast is meant to offer information and awareness and is not a replacement for treatment by a professional or professional training. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Mom and Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. We are talking with Jane Honickman in this episode. Jane began her career in maternal mental health in 1977 when she co-founded Postpartum Education for Parents in Santa Barbara. And then she went on to found Postpartum Support International in 1987. And that is an organization that I draw upon heavily and that a lot of us draw on for support and information and training to this day. Jane was elected PSI's first president in 1989 and operated the organization from her home until 2004. Jane has authored many articles and books and educational material on postpartum issues and how to start community support networks. And we're going to talk a lot about that today. Her books are um, Community Support for New Families, I'm Listening, My Diary, A Postpartum Journey from Pain to Purpose, and the Postpartum Action Manual. Her most recent endeavor is the Postpartum Action Institute, where she provides workshops for learning about all things related to maternal mental health and helping people really be able to get back into their communities and work with families who need support. She continues to lecture and train internationally on the role of social support and the emotional health of the whole family. So we're really going to be talking about not just maternal mental health today, but including the whole family in the discussion of wellness. Welcome, Jane. I'm so happy to have you on with us today. Thank you, Kat. It's a pleasure. Um, Yeah, I am really honored uh, to have you on and excited to share with the listeners the the breadth and depth of work that you've done uh, in maternal mental health and really starting maternal mental health as as, um, as a thing. Um, So maybe maybe we can start there. And well, I want to know about the work that you're doing now, but maybe you can start with telling us how this all started. Uh, It started um, really through my own personal experience, as is a common um, phenomena with people who become activists. And the 
uh, irony is that I had no idea what I was really starting. So there's uh, a lot to be said for um, naivete and ignorance, but uh, my own personal experience goes back more than 50 years ago when I gave birth um, before marriage, and my husband and I weren't ready, and that baby was placed for adoption, and mm-hmm. it was a secret. And mm-hmm. then when we went on and married and had two more children, and I found I was struggling a lot, not understanding what was why it was so difficult. Um, things started pulling together, but the, the beauty of uh, doing it, quote-unquote, right, was at least we could uh, find a community. And the community we found um, is the basis of all my work, and that was in 19... 19- 70s, and my girlfriends and I started postpartum education for parents here in Santa Barbara, California. Mm-hmm. And we started a, a warm line, switched on all staff by volunteer parents who've been trained. Uh, that was us. And yeah. we did that July 1, 1977. And that's 40 years ago. Wow, so it's coming up. That, yeah. Yep. We're celebrating big time. And then 10 years later, by virtue of some phone calls um, that came my, came my way um, through the publicity that PEP generated, I got absolutely connected and probably pulled in and or fall, fell into um, the world of psychiatry. I mean, it was a complete accident. Wow. Wow. Uh, that's, it's amazing how that all came together. That- uh, people found you, and it must have been a really needed resource. Well, there's a, it's, a, it's a wonderful story, and in terms of details, it's all in my little book that I've you know put out. <laughs> um, because I think the journey is is important for people to understand that there are people who came before mm-hmm. all of us, um, and yeah. this is something that's ancient and mm-hmm. neglected, mm-hmm. Uh, and we have to you know become more. Un- understanding of why and it's all about the stigma but it's not just about mental illness it's about the whole journey and transitioning as a human being we all think it's all going to be wonderful and easy and uh, by virtue of the fact that we have problems in the world Mm -hmm. obviously um, nothing is easy and parenthood is among that group right absolutely and and the work that you started there in Santa Barbara with pep that's still going Oh, yes. It's a remarkable organization, and it's the model that uh, if you were going to ask me what has changed and not changed, um, the fact that PEP remains the model that we started um, because we really addressed our own needs and wondering why there wasn't anybody for us after we'd given birth. And that's mm-hmm. we were the first organization to use the word postpartum in America. Now, the Canadians had already done that. Mm-hmm. Um, but their focus was on depression and anxiety around the same time that PEP was starting around adjustment to parenthood. Mm-hmm. And then you can see where this goes. We, are, we need to be united, and that's what has happened. But I feel that the biggest um, gap still is uh, in terms of uh, prevention. And the prevention mm-hmm. has to be around wellness. And the wellness model simply um, is not embedded into our communities as well as it can be, as it is in Santa Barbara, for example. But mm-hmm. um, it's all about peer support, grassroots, yeah. community-based, uh, self-help, all those words that uh, mean a lot to me. And I'm a product of the 60s. So <laughs> um, <laughs> we believe in a whole lot of simple stuff. 
Um, and that's right. what PEP still stands for. Uh, the common sense, being there, non-judgmental, allowing people to, to you know, go through their own journey mm-hmm. to be there for us to do. Uh, assuming it's going to be all fine and well, which is not. But right. we have to be there for people. Right. So that wellness model is different from the kind of illness model of um, there's something wrong with you and we need to fix you. Um, that is kind of per- pervasive still. Yeah. And that's the irony of it for me is that I didn't go start from the illness part. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. we start from it's challenging, it's overwhelming, it's mm-hmm. difficult, it's frustrating, things that are simply emotions. Right. And and I, as I said, I got sort of pulled into this, this world of medicine and psychiatry. Like, what are you talking about? When they <laughs> call, <laughs> the journalist called me in the early 80s saying, well, what kind of calls do you get on the PEP warm line? How many do you get on postpartum depression? And, and I really paused and thought, hey, we have no idea. Nobody's uh-huh. talking about this. Uh-huh. And Interesting. The, 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 the neglected aspect of um, integrating emotions mm-hmm. into wellness, into uh, midwifery and obstetrics. Yeah. And uh, that it just didn't happen mm-hmm. um, because in the, the Western model, we separate it all out. Right. Right. Head and body are, are separate, essentially. Um, yeah. And it's still, I mean, it's still a problem. Uh, we're, oh, it's not. It's, Exactly. It's ongoing and uh, it's getting better because ironically of understanding, understanding trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, you know, with the outcome of all of our wars, understanding there really is something that happens to the brain and there's a trauma and then backing it up and so what other kind of uh, times are traumatic and mm-hmm. birth is a big one and right. people just don't see it that way. Right, because of all of these ideas, like you were mentioning before, about what it's supposed to be like, and all these romantic ideas we have about motherhood and birth. Yeah, and I want to throw the men in there. <laughs> yeah, we we wouldn't be doing having this conversation without the sperm, mm-hmm. and I think that's the other thing that upsets me the most right now mm-hmm. is lack of um, conversation around the fact this is not a woman's issue. And I and I'm mm-hmm. a feminist. I come from the times when we were really really championing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are no differences between men and women, and the men have to be in the labor. What do you mean they got me pregnant? Why is he there for the delivery? You right. know, and why is he changing diapers? Well, you know, so we we have that phenomenon mm-hmm. too, and now mm-hmm. we understand as many men have depression as women, right? And yet we're just ignoring that, and then we also ignore the fact that this impacts on relationships. Yeah. This normal stuff in that relationship. No kidding, right? <laughs> and, <Yeah. laughs> and so then throw in the baby mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just so difficult. And the big one is sleep deprivation. Yeah. I mean, these are huge, huge factors that, that are difficult. And it's on some level, it's, it seems like people say, oh yeah, moms are tired and just it's this fact, but it's a really dismissed fact that, well, that actually yeah. affects you if you don't sleep. Um, <laughs> form of torture and it is. Use it during war and they get things out of people mm-hmm. yeah, it's, yeah and we, we dismiss this right um, so if I can backpedal for just a second after the foundation of PEP then you went on to found Postpartum Support International right and that's the result of having 
received this phone call that mm-hmm. set me in direction of psychiatry, mm-hmm. I started attending uh, scientific meetings and learning from the world's experts in the 80s uh, what this is, uh, you know, psychiatric uh, problems related to childbearing. It's like, mm-hmm. what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And I became... Um, the willing student of um, my mentor, James Hamilton, who is absolutely the guru of the times. He mm-hmm. is a remarkable man who taught me everything I know and then connected me in to the uh, Marseille Society. And Marseille Society um, is where I've been most active in terms of sitting and listening to the experts, trying to understand mm-hmm. what it is that we um, know ex- going on and has been since Hippocrates, so this is nothing new. <laughs> and it's been um, difficult to get the the idea of science and medicine to be integrated into normality. And actually, Dr. Hamilton said, you know, Jane, what you're doing with PAP is what we need to look at. We need to know what's normal. We don't even mm-hmm. know what's normal. Um, mm-hmm. That's something that we resonates with me. And he believed in, in social support. He's yeah. the one who named it. Postpartum Support International. Wow. Um, This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go, and that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP?, was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. He really must be revered, in my opinion, for bringing this to the forefront and that he was was so ahead of his time, um, his peers just laughed at him. Oh, no. That's terrible. Well, his first book that he sent me a copy was written in 1962 called mm-hmm. Postpartum Psychiatric Problems. Wow. And uh, that's the basis of everything for me. Um, and then he was um, central to bringing together the experts who are another generation 
mm-hmm. younger. So my my peers uh, from the scientific world around the around the world, scientists around the world, the researchers, mm-hmm. and I adore these uh, p- people, the peers who yeah. have always respected the role that I represent. You know, the people, mm-hmm. the consumer, the lived experience, whatever you want to call it. Right, uh, and that's very very important. But but I. But we all fight the fact that this is a multidiscipline mm-hmm. phenomena, and right. we put everything in silos. Yeah, and we don't talk to each other. Oh, right. So, like from the medical aspects, OBs and pediatricians and psychiatrists and therapists, um, uh, no one's coming together to talk about it as a as a whole. Well, they do, but it's the Marseille Society. And then when I yeah. attend my Marseille meetings, they're mostly in England. I've come back and say, now, wait a minute, um, why, first of all, can't that research be spoken in normal English um, <laughs> so normal people can understand right. that? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I, again, PEP and the models that I'd learned about in Canada, and by that time I'd met people who'd done work similar to um, peer support led in England and in South Africa, and then things started up in Australia around this time. So I got everybody together. Um, and we founded Postpartum Support International, and they they, they complement each other. Yeah. So the idea that what I wanted to do was support the supporters mm-hmm. so that people who are out there doing work in this field know that they can come together, listen to the latest research, mm-hmm. meet each other. And you find the same thing in the Marseille meetings. You feel like family because you're mm-hmm. working um, on something that's, so important and so big yeah. and so, so complicated, mm-hmm. um, but everybody goes home to their own little silo and then mm-hmm. we don't make progress, but we have made progress. <laughs> and then, oh yeah. So in, enter government because um, mm. the politics of this is very powerful. What, what have you seen over, over these years in terms so, of the change? <clears throat> yes. Uh, people are talking about it. The most important thing is to say it's not in the closet any longer. It's yeah. out there. It's integrated into people's understanding. You do need to ask people how they're feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, but you need systems of action. And actually, that's uh, what Dr. Hamilton called PEP when I gave my first little talk. He said, it's a system of action. And mm-hmm. again, it's but based on the wellness model. You don't wait for someone to be ill. Right. You, you automatically assume everybody needs support. Yeah, that's so, um, like, simple and brilliant at the same time. <laughs> I mean, it does. Isn't that funny? It's yeah, it is, this, it's exactly. This is, this is not rocket science to assume that everyone's going to need I'll support. I'll tell you what mm-hmm. went, went off, well, off the tracks. Mm. Um, maybe the listeners don't want to hear it, but it's about um, the uh, profit side of Interesting. Uh, our world and mm-hmm. people who want to be paid to be there for people. That's important, and those people need to be in place, but we need to have the step before that is how do you get people to referred to professionals. Right. And the conversation has to be done in a normal fashion, and that has to be done in the grassroots peer support model. Mm-hmm. Right. So if, um, yeah, I mean, you, you could have a, a brilliant uh, therapist or doctor or whoever who can help, but if if there's no connection to this like gra- the grassroots as you described it, um, the kind of real day to day mom. First of all, how are they going to find this expert? And and secondly, uh, how are they going to know that 
they're a good person to go to and oh there's a lot involved in that it's so much involved and so the countries that actually are making the most progress and they'll say they're not doing a very good job Mm-hmm. But they're the ones who have socialized medicine, nationalized health care mm-hmm. systems in place. In America, it's our public health system mm-hmm. because the government is in, in the United States has always actually worked for the people. People just don't realize that mm-hmm. it is such. And the problem is, again, the splitting off of physical from mental health. And right. the fact that's across the, the life cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's it's time to, to shift and we are shifting mm-hmm. um, slowly but it, it's it's about stigma again and you know with hey we're, I'm having a baby what do you mean I might have a mental illness I mean what do you mean I might have a difficulty mm-hmm. never, met, you know, nevertheless the fact that I want to divorce my husband and mm-hmm. I never mm-hmm. want to have sex again mm-hmm. and I you know I'm miserable mm-hmm. uh, or the he he is completely clueless he doesn't mm-hmm. know what happened mm-hmm. to his wife um, and the mother of his children or the partners. I mean, there are a lot of partners. It's also, we need to remember there, there are a lot of same-sex couples, too, who have yeah. entered this, and there are those who adopt, and mm-hmm. everybody has a piece of this. And the other thing I want to emphasize is this is really a conversation that has to begin preconception. Yeah. Because what we do know from the science, and nothing has changed, um, mm-hmm. is that we all know this is familial. Familial? familial. We runs in families. We know that, that um, the greatest, most fascinating new field is epigenetics, mm-hmm. where we understand it may not impact this generation, but it impacts the next generation and the next generation. Right. So, you know, these conversations would be, need to begin, shall we become parents? Uh, well, yeah. maybe not. Oh, right. Uh, right. For some people, maybe not. And for some people, you know, in terms of what you're describing, that getting, uh, getting the information out to people um, before they start uh, trying to have children, that's, yeah. that's hard to do. Um, it really is. It's, um, I, I love the, the population of uh, our teens, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it's, it's a conversation around sexuality. Yeah. It's a conversation around mental wellness and health. Yeah. Um, it's a conversation about genealogy, which mm-hmm. I'm a big proponent of. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to know where we come from. It's yeah. called heritage. Mm-hmm. It's ancestral. We have to know. You know, we, we, we are now marrying people who uh, are partnering with people who are, are very not like us. Mm-hmm. Um, in some cultures where there's more uniformity in terms of I'm, I know the person's neighbors, families, we've mm-hmm. all been together all these years. I'm a part of a clan or mm-hmm. a religious group or whatever you may say. There's something to be said for the fact that there might, might be more um, ease with discussing this um, or, or mm-hmm. understanding that, that uh, this is an important topic or not. Um, but when we travel or we have war or famine or any of these things that that disrupt yeah. uh, something that is natural as you know, giving birth to the next generation. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, there's a lot of problems in the world, and it all comes down to what are we doing during pregnancy to the fetus that's growing inside the woman. So true. violence around her. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and that's such, um, it's, it's, it's a hard concept, I think, to grasp is that this idea that if we're really taking care of the family, of the woman, the, the, the baby in utero and the pregnancy and the family now um, and, and before there's tr- trouble, um, on some level before things happen is that that's protective of future generations. That's protective Absolutely. of that child's adulthood. Um, Absolutely. And, and we know it. And the sad part is how much have we uh, looked into how much money we put into preventing child abuse or domestic violence or any of these things that are so sad. Um, why is there such a high prison population? Why do we have things that are uh, why is there such poverty and pockets in the, around the world? And a lot of mm-hmm. it is just right staring us in the face. One yeah. of it is nutrition. Yeah. You know, it's as simple as that. People are starving. Right. People are malnourished. And they, mm-hmm. their brains don't function well. And their pregnancies right. are completely disaster. Right. Wonder we, I say, it's a wonder, wonder that we're all still here, really. <laughs> right. right, yeah, thinking about it on that, that global perspective. Yeah. Um, if, if we can just take care of um, pregnant women and babies um, and families better, then we're all better off. The world is a better place, absolutely. It, and there's, if you want to look at... You know, that happiness quotient thing they do, and they go, where are the happiest countries, and why are they happy? Mm. Well, the truth is they usually have a government that really takes care of everybody from, you Mm. know, to cradle to grave. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's that's deep. (laughs) That's deep. I got that there. (laughs) <laughs> oh no, I know. I, I mean, this is, that's what's I love about um, talking with you and your perspective is that you've, you've seen this particular field around maternal mental health um, grow and, and develop and um, you, you've helped it to do that. And it's taken multiple different avenues now, but it is, there are ways that basically everything that we live in affects a mom. Yeah, affects the family, affects the baby. And it's not just this, you know, we put them this myopic little, we put them in this box and, oh, that lady's pregnant and, you know, she's not doing enough or whatever blame we're now putting on the mom and the dad. Well, and we the, blame everybody for everything. Let's face it. Um, yeah. They're not a good enough anything. I mean, <laughs> and don't just include the, the women. I mean, this is hard on the men. Yeah. And I think the, one of the most important messages um, that I got from with starting PEP, and notice postpartum education for parents, mm-hmm. we were adamant that it would be not a woman's issue. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> and we still are doing the same thing. So I would like the language to be parental mental yeah. health. Yeah. Yeah, it is. The, that's, that's true, that the focus is so much on the mom um, and the baby and really forgetting the whole system. Um, or or the the partner too is often left out and doesn't have to be a husband. Um, That's right. Yeah. yeah. And and then the the other generations, I I love to uh, make a little joke about the fact that your true definition of postpartum, the word, is an adjective for the first year of life Mm -hmm. for the newborn. Mm -hmm. But I'd like to point out that now that I've I'm a grandmother, you're really postpartum forever because every time you you see this newborn or the the, the prospect of becoming another generation, it impacts you emotionally 
And grandparents have a really difficult time. They probably don't want to admit it. Mm-hmm. But we go through another time where you're not sure you're not sure of yourself. You don't know your role. Wow. Uh, you want to say a lot, but you're probably going to say the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is tough. This is tough. So we must just yeah. miss it. So in in terms of, you know, it sounds like the direction that you'd like, you know, advocacy and training to go into this parental mental health and and, uh, inclusive of all generations that are affected by bringing a new life into the world. Yeah. And all cultures. And the I always like to remind people about their spiritual backgrounds as well. Mm -hmm. Um, One of our uh, most obvious communities is that around the spiritual, whether you belong to a traditional institution called a church or a synagogue or a mosque or whatever, or not, um, there's that component as well that mm-hmm. sometimes gets left out. Um, and they are uncomfortable. The institutions are very uncomfortable around mental health. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but they are a great resource, and it's something that's in our community, and that's another area for training. But I like to switch the word training into conversations. Mm-hmm. I think that it's about having conversations and understanding that plenty has been written, plenty, plenty of research is out there. We know what works. We know what doesn't. We know what um, we can do. But the question is, have we evaluated our own community? Can mm-hmm. we honestly say, I know that the journey from conception to pregnancy to postpartum to the, you know, on and on through life, is that family in a nice place? Is it going to be cocooned in the progression of this family development? And in Santa Barbara, because we have put together something that carried on after childbirth education, mm-hmm. it does. But you have to have everybody look at the community and say, is there a place where I can go for free and I'll meet other people like me mm-hmm. um, we're having children at the same time that I can bond with. And that's the friendship component. Again, that's yeah. so simple and yet so complex. It's like, hmm, right. how am I going to find somebody who's going through this? So we well, actually had to yeah. send it. And that's what kept uh, is based on our own needs. Our families should be doing all this. The families are disrupted. And mm-hmm. my girlfriend and I started it. Mm-hmm. We didn't have any family here. So we invented mm-hmm. PEP. That's crucial. Uh, and so that that's uh, what you were describing before, that things have become monetized or people are looking for only uh, to be compensated for their supporting others. And sounds like part of what you're calling for is, is fine, have those services, but also have something that's free to the community and available to everyone. You have to have both. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the model that works, um, where you have everything. And you have a range of professionals who are, uh, understand this transition mm-hmm. from both sides of the, of the spectrum, you know, um, from the very mild to I'm just adjusting having a terrible time mm-hmm. uh, to, to the extreme where we have to have hospitals that are uh, suitable for families to come together and bring their babies and the mother has to be hospitalized. Right. Um, we, we have this, it's, um, what I learned in, early on is that from Dr. Hamilton is the continuum of reaction to childbearing mm-hmm. and the idea that this is um, from a mild side of life events mm-hmm. and then we get through it to the extreme ones mm-hmm. where we could suffer irreparable harm. 
Um, and if we start thinking about it like that, rather than categorizing everything into certain kinds of diagnosis, right. I think we'd be uh, nicer to ourselves and more yeah. apt to, de- to destigmatize the conversation. Uh, right. Because if we do talk about baby blues, and we need to, mm-hmm. and we, need, we do know that at the same time that there's an onset of I've had the baby and now I'm crying, it's the same time when a woman could have a psychotic episode. Mm-hmm. So, again, we have to be there for, for all of this. And then we have late onsets. We have people who are just doing fine, thank you very much. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then we discover that they had a secret and they had never told anybody. Um, yeah. And now they're, they're reliving a trauma. Yeah. And they don't know where to turn. Right. So, I mean, having these conversations and getting it out to the public, making like the things that we're describing and talking about available to everybody, um, to be part of the discussion, to have the information, to have the awareness um, is for free. Um, Mm -hmm. You shouldn't have to pay to be informed about your health. Um, Right, right. And 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 people do still um, want to... um, be private about things. We mm-hmm. are all absolutely individuals. Um, and we, when we shut the door, we, you know, have our families unto ourselves. Um, and when we're ready, we need to be able to open it and know that somebody's knocking on the door saying, hi, I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. Um, to be ready for that. Um, because not everybody's ready to have these conversations. That's true. That's true. But, you know, also, just as you were saying, to be putting it out there, to be talking about it, having even casual conversations about it. You never know who's listening, um, you know, just in terms of, you know, maternal mental health awareness um, campaigns right right now, just even simple things, um, you know, sharing an article with a friend or putting, you know, social media, people are using it. They may scroll by, they may never interact with that. Uh, you know, or like it or, or whatever, but they'll see it and maybe they'll be able to think about themselves and their situation a little differently. Well, there's that aha moment that suddenly comes because mm-hmm. I'm, and I'm a good example of how I suppressed my personal experience for so yeah. long yeah. Um, and how it acted because I was keeping a secret for so long. Mm-hmm. And so your listeners know I, I did resolve that, <clears throat> finally found peace. Um, but it took me 25 years. Yeah. So that's a quarter of my life, assuming I'm going to live to 100, which I right. need to do. Um, <laughs> so again, not everybody's ready. Now, my husband was ready before I was, but he was mm-hmm. afraid to bring it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mother um, was devastated by the secret and never would have brought it up. But my mm-hmm. father-in-law was the one who wanted to know, is Jane ready to talk about it? Mm. And even though I was surrounded by girlfriends who we started PEP and we do all this kind of um, peer support naturally and have lots of friendship around that to, I was palling around with the best psychiatrist in the world. Uh (laughs) I didn't say anything and I didn't know that what I had experienced, it was a trauma. Right. It was an unresolved trauma to place my baby for adoption and never talk about her. Uh, Now I was, uh, can say that she's very much a part of our lives and Uh married and has two children and, the, that's why I have eight grandchildren. <laughs> um, you know, all of this stuff, there are so many secrets out there and people mm-hmm. are not willing to bring them forth and we have to. Right. 
And, and the work that you're doing now is really to help any kind of provider lear- learn about this, um, these things um, and be able to go back out into their communities and do this kind of, of work. Um, can, you, yes. can you share a little bit about what you're doing now these days? Yes. So uh, I've written several books, and the book that prompted me to start Postpartum Action Institute with my friend, dear friend and colleague, Shoshana Bennett, um, is based on the book that I wrote called Postpartum Action Manual. And I wrote this manual after I'd written I'm Listening, which is the basis of my work as a peer support person. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's very, again, very basic. Um, we, we realized that people are having wonderful trainings. They go to fantastic conferences. We, and I love doing that. But we all go home and then we put that interesting stuff back on the shelf or, you know, our life gets busy and we move on. Mm. What we need more of is conversations around this is where I am, this is where I uh, have been mm-hmm. uh, in a small, intimate setting where you really can have a conversation. So yeah. our institute is designed around that, um, bringing people together in small settings so they can share uh, their own past and their their present and their visions for the future. And it's not pro- professional providers. We are, we believe that any anybody who's interested in this topic, which is to destigmatize parenthood, yeah, um, should be having these conversations and then becoming advocates in their own communities to start something like PEP. If PEP is something that's not near and dear to your community yet it should be mm-hmm. um, but we struggle with several things one is that we're not comfortable around the topic of depression mm-hmm. so we need to de- de- demystify that and and uh, uh, it's about perceptions of that so we have a conversation around that and I love doing all day trainings where I call them workshops um, where we get everybody comfortable talking open and honestly and my most recent one was in West Virginia Oh. And this is to a population of extreme poverty, um, well uh, embedded services that are trying so hard to improve the families' lives in, in the, that particular state. Um, and they have tremendous challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first thing we did was talk about how comfortable are you talking about depression? Yeah. And we're, we're talking about all professionals. Mm-hmm. You need to be able and say, yes, you know, um, I, I know what this feels like. I, too, have had depression. Right. Or I struggled as a parent. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife, um, you know, just didn't want to look at me again after mm-hmm. I got her pregnant. You know, whatever mm-hmm. it may be. It doesn't matter what hat you put on during the day. You know, in your heart, who are you and where have you been? And that's the pulling together of all these people to become real advocates for families. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. 
We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. It's awesome. Okay, so you need to be everywhere with this. <laughs> you and, and Shoshana Bennett uh, can just travel and, and spread this yeah, beautiful beautifulness everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but it's actually something that people can start having conversations in their own town. And my, my oh, book, yeah. uh, the Postpartum Action Manual, is actually the course that we take people through. Um, so the idea is that, you know, you can follow this course and, and the beauty of this, this course that, uh, developed is from, uh, an organization called CARE. Are you familiar with the mm -hmm. anti-poverty, the most, um, and it's the biggest one around the world. It's been around since post-war, second world war in the forties. And the concept of CARE is to go in and work within the communities and, they were doing um, work in nutrition in Bangladesh, and they were seeing postpartum depression. And they, mm -hmm. uh, I came along, and they used my book, I'm Listening, and they ended up training their home visitors, um, people who were going into the homes in a very, very different kind of culture than what we have. Right. And they adapted it, and then I took that and then rewrote it for getting it out to everybody and it's pretty common sense and that's the thing that we this shouldn't be um shying away that this is comp complicated or too too you know beyond me that mm -hmm. i need another degree in order to do this i don't believe that right right because you're, you're bringing it back to kind of fundamentals it, this is not a, not a complicated idea to be there for people where they are uh, and yeah. figure out with them what they need to feel better or to cope um, oh you nailed it that's beautiful 
that you just said. Okay, great. <laughs> um, I mean, that, that's, yeah, that, that is really something that we all can do. It, it takes a little mm-hmm. bit of intention and thinking through and how do yeah. we do that, but it, it, it's accessible yeah. and to everyone. that's actually what throws people off. It's like, well, I think there should be a support group. I'm going to start one. And it, uh, uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. It, it does. It's not that simple. So I wrote a book on that too. Yeah. And it's a workbook. It takes people through the steps to mm-hmm. doing something for your community. You can't just have good intent. Right. Um, so you need to have, find the people with whom you can work. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I, that, that book is to try to get people to understand. Um, it's, it's, it is simple, but it is a process. Right. And you have to be dedicated to it. Yeah. So PSI is in the process of, you know, ongoing, further developing social support networks in your community. That's mm-hmm. my vision. Mm-hmm. It's always been my vision. There should be a postpartum parent support community in every village, city, town, whatever you want to call it <laughs> in the world. Yeah. And nobody should have to be searching. Outside of their own. They are. They still are. It's it's Mm -hmm. rough. That is sad. Um, I know, but why is it so rough? You have to ask. Right. Well, I, I know that there are a lot of people who listen to this podcast who have either been through something themselves or are looking for ways to to do things in their community. And the things that you're describing are are perfect. Um, they can grab your book. They can figure out ways to, um, uh, to implement these things in a thoughtful way into their communities. Um, Absolutely. And, and I've, I'm available to consult with anybody anywhere, anytime. And uh, I have uh, a lovely woman right now in Norway um, who um, has uh, gone through something that she's considered Less than wonderful, which is what I call it. Mm-hmm. Um, the Norwegian who ended up marrying an Australian. She gives birth in Australia. She suffers terribly, but Australia gave her great support. And she's back in Norway. And guess what she wants to do? Yeah. Improve, yeah, improve things in Norway. And boy, she's being successful. She's already has the, the ear of the government. Oh, that's amazing. Ready. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Wonderful. And it's so much fun. I, mean, it, 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 I get an email every now and then from her and what's, what uh, next question she has for me. And, uh, you know, then we connect her to the Marseille Society and mm-hmm. all these other people that are already out there. Mm-hmm. That's what I, I love about this community that, uh, that I, um, you know, I dove into after my experience with postpartum depression, anxiety, OCD, all that, um, is like... I, I think because it was founded by people like you and people who really care and, you know, Shoshana's in there and uh, Wendy Davis and um, kind of uh, the, the founders and people who continue this is this, just this giving. Um, there's a selflessness ab- about it that's so welcoming and supportive and whatever you need, I'm, I'm here for you. Let's do this together. I really love that. Um, and I think that... What's that? It's fantastic. And yeah. it's um, at all levels. The, mm-hmm. the finest researchers and psychiatrists mm-hmm. and down to the, the consumer in her neighborhood. Everybody is family about around this topic. Yeah. And I, I want to mention the professionals who work with infant mental health. Yeah. Um, finally, we're on the same table, at the same table, having conferences at the same time because you <laughs> can't have a well, mentally well infant without mentally well parents can't right no and they no. they were left out they were not even at 
in the conversations for so many decades. Oh. Well, it, yeah, I mean, things are, are moving at a faster pace now in terms of, you know, lots and lots more people being on board. I think social media has a, a role to play in that and getting messages um, um, sent across the oceans and, and waves and all of that stuff. Um, and I'm just, I'm so grateful to get your perspective on all of this and that you're just love that you're still so passionate about all of this and, and still in the work and still doing it every day. It's, it's just inspiring. Oh, well, it's just a pleasure. And, you know, I want to get it done while I'm still alive, as I like to tell people. <laughs> yeah. um, that's not going to happen. So we're mentoring lots and lots of uh, younger uh, people who are awesome and are continuing on. Um, and, and I want to remind people that there is a path. There was somebody before me, and I want to make sure that people know of Dr. Hamilton and the other awesome individuals who went out of their way to make, make this a better world. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for making this a better world for, for all of us and for doing the work that you do that ultimately helped me too. I appreciate you. Well, I appreciate you too. And this has been a great pleasure. Thank you so much for being on with us. I'm so glad you guys were able to listen into this conversation with Jane. She is just a wealth of knowledge and wisdom, and uh, she's done so much for this field and really for all of us who've who've dealt with um, any type of mental health issue related to pregnancy or birth or postpartum. So, um, her work is foundational in a lot of the support that we get out on our, our communities now. So there were some really cool things coming up. The Postpartum Education for Parents, PEP, in Santa Barbara is having its 40-year anniversary in June. And um, Jane would be happy to see anybody there who wants to come and celebrate with them. Also, Postpartum Support International is having its 30-year anniversary this year. Um, You can check out. That's another beautiful milestone in terms of the work that Jane has done and, and the support that we are getting. You can also find Jane at janehonickman.com and you can find out more about the workshops and training that she provides through Postpartum Action Institute. I'll have all of this information for you guys in the show notes for you to check out and find out more about the work that Jane is doing and how you can find some of her books if you're looking to get support for yourself or start some support in your own community. Thank you for joining us today. If you or someone you know is having a hard time, help is available. Please look for resources for help at momandmind.com. Also, please subscribe and share this podcast. Together, we can support moms and families so that no one has to deal with this alone. Thank you for being a part of the Mom and Mind community. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. 
It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.